since I've just been woken by an almighty screech. And it scared the life out of me. Oh man, my heart's pounding. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's an owl. But for a good second, it definitely felt like something human <laughs> I don't know you just your fight or flight kicks in and ah oh, just be, being <laughs> the reality of your situation and what could happen all kind of floods back in a moment Welcome to Wanderings, an audio companion for those who walk alone. I'm Amy Conway, a performing artist and theatre maker based in Glasgow, and I'll be walking with you. This is a podcast about loneliness. A podcast about loneliness designed to be listened to while on a walk. You don't have to listen to this while walking. It's only a suggestion. Just remember that for the duration, you have been granted permission to wander. Throughout the podcast, you'll hear my voice. Sometimes I'll be walking with a companion, sometimes alone, but always with you. So come with me, and we'll walk together. It's much warmer than I thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to have to wrap up properly, but I do have a hat and a bag in case that's that's. <laughs> oh, needed. me too. I've got I've got too many layers in my bag, so I'm actually quite surprised by uh, the fact that I don't need to, a scarf and a hat. Yeah, yeah. Uh. I might put the hat on later though because my ears are going to get chilly, and I've I've found that when my ears get cold, they just become so 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 painful that it distracts from everything else when I'm outside. Oh. <laughs> That's, we don't want that. I know, I'm like we a chilly little child. <laughs> Needs to be all wrapped up. I don't know, there's something I love about getting out the winter coat. I don't know about you. I feel like I'm always wearing winter coats anyway. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm You're always... You're a snuggly wearing... bug. Yeah, I totally <laughs> am, you know. like I feel like I've been conditioned from those like childhood days of like going and hanging out in George Square with all the rest of the evils. <laughs> And like, always, oh, that was you, was yeah, it? Yeah, oh, that was me. And always having, you know, like, like, you know, your, your band T-shirt, your hoodie, your second hoodie, and then a, a jacket, so that you could genuinely hang out with your pals all day without catching a cold. Like, 
that's how prepared we were. We were so dedicated to... <laughs> well, when you're just like, you know... Hanging out in the rain. Looking cool. <laughs> that I can, I'd imagine that I'm just basically like slouching on cold stone. Oh, yeah, I don't think there's anything <laughs> cool about it. Like, I look You'll at catch it, Yeah, I look at photographs of myself and I go, God, like, that is... That's a look. <laughs> That is a look. So I don't think I've moved on from that. I think I'm still wearing like big baggy clothes. Yeah, you seem like an emo at heart. Don't oh you? yeah, always <laughs> emo forever. <laughs> um, and d- d- you went to a lot of gigs as like a young person, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I loved it. Like, I think gig culture has totally influenced like the person that I am. Like how have you? The world, the type of art that interests and excites me, uh-huh. why I even want to be involved in the process of making art. I think it all comes from gigs, you know? Like, there's this thing that, like, this is what I've always kind of thought about in terms of, you know, producing theatre or the types of experiences that excite me. That's Steph. She's the producer of the podcast and the producer of my work as a theatre maker. A conversation with her is always buzzing with possibilities. And when we talk, an hour can fly by without either of us really noticing. This conversation was recorded on a dry but breezy afternoon in early November on a walk around Alexandra Park in the east end of Glasgow. There's this um, thing that, you know, I think everyone's experienced you know, in their life before where, you know, you go to a gig or you're, um, you've got a ticket for a festival or something and when you're all queuing up and there's just this sense of camaraderie that you don't get in everyday society, you know, so yeah. the sort of people that, you know, you you might be worried to silently judge you at the bus stop for how you dress different from them or whatever, you know, they're the first people to ask if you want a a puff of their joint <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> like when you're standing next to them in this big outdoor arena or whatever you know like yeah. there's this thing that just it's so transformative you just become this temporary community that that exists just in this moment uh-huh. And, uh-huh. I just, and, and people give themselves over to this idea of the moment it's like and it's I religious it. It, it is it is religious so so yeah I am um, yeah I used to I loved going to gigs still do and I think that's yeah, I just think it's so influential that that moment of of connection. Yeah, yeah, connect and connecting with like young other young people that sort of like don't like, get run over. Oh, sorry, no, I know. Yeah, this guy's reversing it quite a face. Right. <laughs> don't usually get this in the park, but I, know, right? <laughs> gotta... I mean, they've even put arrows down, so like yeah. this is a new thing. <laughs> sorry to have interrupted, Jamie. Oh no, no, no worries. Um, yeah, like like being a young person and um, wanting to change the world, and then being inspired by like a musician or a band, and make and being and feeling like anything's possible, oh, and totally. that everyone and that collectively you can achieve anything. Oh yeah, like <laughs> yeah. Don't get me started in the whole like a band changing your world view. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> okay. like that's a rabbit hole. Oh, that's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's a different podcast. One hundred percent. That's the degree show I never made, you know, but... Oh, totally, I think it's... I think it's so important to have a sense as to... I mean, that's all, like, your personality really is. Like, you're only able to say who you are in association to other things, you know? And so when there's an icon that you can associate with, whether that's 
religious iconography, whether that's you know, a musician or a visual artist or whatever, or a pal that you totally dote on, you know, and you know you and your best pal are always known as like the duo act. Yeah, it's that sense of like being with or a part of something that's just so so formative. I think you know. Yeah, I, th- I think maybe it took me a while to find that when I was growing up. Did it? It did, yeah. Like, I mean, I found my theatre crowd, <laughs> the drama lovies at Glasgow <laughs> University Theatre Society, but I did not find that in school. Yeah. And I had a bit of a, a shit time. Oh, yeah. Oh, I hated school. Did I totally hated school, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a total nightmare. I mean, I, I, all my friends were older than me. So I was like 13 and going to empties with folk in their final year of high school. Wow. Like, oh yeah, so I like got mad into drinking at a silly age. Okay. You know, <laughs> you know like... Oh, she's was, all right now, is she? <laughs> I'm all right now. But just daft. Like, I, I look back on it and I go like, what was I doing and how did I get into those situations? Right. You know, just... Right. So yeah, I, I mean, I hated school. So obviously... When I was in second year and I was going to empties with the fifth and sixth years, yeah. by the time I was in third and fourth year, I had no pals. Because it's all went to uni. Right. It's all went to uni. So then I did have friends, but, you know, I always felt a major disconnect from them because I went to school, high school, out with the place that I, uh, I lived and they all knew one another from primary school. So there was a bond there that you just... They'd already imprinted upon one another in a way that you just can't do, yeah. you know, past a certain point. Yeah, it's so hard to penetrate those, like... Because everybody else is, is terrified and wants to, like, close ranks oh, as totally. soon as possible. So if you're coming in at a later stage, it's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, 100%. 100%. How did you find school? Did you find it tricky? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, primary school, that, that was fine. Uh, that was all kind of lovely and um, quite <laughs> sort of sheltered. But then I went to, like, this big comprehensive with kids from all over the city. Um, it was very it was very diverse, like, uh, um, school with, like, really good... Uh, with sort of really good um, teaching and education and all standards. But I got bullied and I didn't... I didn't, I didn't feel like I fit in with anybody. And, and I just, so I just got a bit isolated for... A number of years, but I kind of stuck out until sixth form, and I and I and I'd gone gone into my shell. But so I did find some friends in sixth form, but I think I was still kind of feeling that I was on the out on the periphery. Yeah, outside looking in. Yeah, that 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 feeling stays with you for a long time. It did take a lot a, a long time to undo the feeling that like oh, it's like nobody really wants to be my friend. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Actually, they do. Apart yeah, from they do. Now I'm really popular. Do you want me to hold the mic? <laughs> I've got no free hands. Uh, yeah. Yes, thank you. find a robin on my doorstep I love robins they're just so bold they don't it's come so close and doesn't seem to be perturbed by my 
setting up my camping stove. <laughs> Obviously, just wanted a morning pal. Yeah, sun hasn't quite come up yet, but it's starting to get lighter. And I definitely just need to get up and get something warm inside me. Uh, I mean, I'm really glad I survived the night. And part of me is like, this is why I did it. Because waking up to this is amazing. Hi, Pa. Yes, I, I, I accept that, like, you, we have to... It's slowly dawning on us that, like, oh, this is something that we might have to deal with in the long term. Yeah. But, OK, I'm just going to put it out there. Like, I... It, it, it causes me immense sorrow to think that there will be less touch in the future, to put it as simplistically as that. I think that's a really tricky thing, but I also and I say this with the with the comfort and privilege of living with my partner, where I go, you know, we're immensely touchy feely, you know, like we're very cuddly, we're very tactile, and so I think about a world in which there is less touch, and in a way, it is hard to even imagine that. Yeah. because the embodied feeling of what that loss is is not something I'm currently dealing with. You know, through the first lockdown, we're looking at potential lockdown 2.0. I mean, England already is yeah. in that position. Yeah, it's the first day today. I think um, I think it's, it, it's kind of hard to foresee or imagine or mourn a loss that's yet to be felt, speaking from an individual perspective. That said, it makes me... I, going back to that thing that we were talking about at the beginning about like that feeling of being in a con- like in a gig context yeah. at a gig the world, a, a world in which there is less touch in which there is less hugs with colleagues and pals and family right that's sad the idea of not being able to be at a gig and cut some serious shapes without worrying how close yeah. you are to yeah. the next household be in the mosh pit or yeah. whatever or just yeah. you know stand next to somebody and sing a hymn in church or something like that <laughs> that's you know? where your head went and I was like <laughs> asking some random tall, I, I tried to tall make bloke it, to make it a little bit more universal yeah I know but as I say I automatically went to like how sad it will be if I can't like ask some random tall bloke if I can go on their shoulders because this one's my song do you know what I mean yeah like, no okay. but seriously let me up I'm rubbing up against <laughs> each other in a club and getting sweaty and all of that, uh, yeah. Like that's the bit that makes me go, shucks, this is shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah, there's no other word for it. That's that's the thing, you know. Like so, I think that's the th- it, it's it's so important to be tactile and to feel the ones you love. But I think it's like, oh, hello, doggo. But I think for me, it's it's all the bits around that, you know. It's like 
we think about connection as in being between people, but I think that there's something about like, you know when you're in a work environment with colleagues whom you feel comfortable with, and say for example they're going by you to get a book from the bookshelf, and they go, excuse me, and they kind of just tap you on the shoulder just to make sure that as they bring the book down, it doesn't scuff your skin, for example. Yeah. And that yeah. moment of touch isn't inappropriate, it is totally contextually fine. Uh-huh. But there's a comfort in feeling like we're all navigating this space with one another. Mm-hmm. I think that's a thing that makes me go like, I'll really miss that. The the spontaneity of that, I think. So there's something not even about... th- second guessing it or yeah 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 po- hesitating to go like, oh okay, should I even approach this person? Like yeah. for example, if somebody falls over and scrapes their knee. Yeah, I mean it happens with my mum in this park. Yeah. So my mum fell when we were walking her dog. Um, we had met up for a walk and there were three ladies that were going for a walk also at the same time and they were wanting to help and assist and make sure she was okay but were really hesitant about getting close into her personal space because of social distancing, you know and, and the thing was, was that one of them was like you know, I've got some baby wipes on me would you feel comfortable accepting one? because my mum was bleeding and she had like grit in her skin and so she said yes because she felt like because she was also going to have to drive home uh, and and I think that there was something she was like I'm so grateful that I was able to you know that that lady was there and she felt comfortable giving me away even if I'm second guessing now about transmitting a virus yeah. but but I could be in serious pain if I had to drive home with with these stones in my hands yeah like <laughs> There's something beautiful about the way that that lady did ask for permission and for consent. Uh, oh, yeah, it was like, uh, so uh, gentle and considerate. That, yeah, that, was, that showed kindness in itself, even though it, there, was a, a fear, oh, there was a nervousness and a fear over contact. Totally. Totally. <laughs> I feel like that's the thing which gets really tricky. Like, there's been this big thing, and I've seen a few posts recently on social media about... How do we connect to each other? How, like the lo- the loss of social skills, of second guessing ourselves after social interactions or, or professional interactions because we're wondering whether or not we presented ourselves well, and or made the other person feel comfortable or any of those things, you know. And I feel like now I'm really going, how do I acknowledge how I'm feeling in all of this, or how do I just acknowledge acknowledge the context? when asking someone how are you like asking someone how are you when you know they live alone a parent or a loved one is unwell and uh-huh. they've been having a shit week or they maybe had a rejection from a funding body or something do you know what I mean yeah and like yeah. how do you go like no but how are you though this is pre-covid but, stuff though as well like yeah, this is I stuff you're like right. I think learning you're right. emotional it's an emotional it's emotional intelligence isn't it yeah so do you do you find that is that something that you've been conscious of in term, in your interactions with people like like, do you find yourself going, oh, it's tricky and trying to see if, like... Because I feel like I say it's tricky and it's like a code word. Yeah. I'm wanting to see if the other person acknowledges that, yes, it's tricky. Yeah. It, and maybe we're talking yeah. about the election in the US or maybe yeah. we're talking about, you know, uh, the underfunded NHS. Like, whatever it is, it's a way of trying to, like, gauge somebody. I don't uh-huh. know. Is that something? Right, is that right. Something? As in, like, your spies and, like, are we, are we on the same side kind of thing? Well, maybe not quite that, but... Yeah, not so much the same side, but more like, are you feeling Are you feeling the emotional um, tsunami 
of yeah. all of this so information. We use lots. Of, we use euphemisms like in everyday life a lot, I think, and it's a way of sort of tiptoeing around the edge of something that um, has a lot of weight and is maybe like, um, I, I suppose, makes you know, like it's like if you put it in a very. Um, primitive way uh-huh. it's like checking that some handshakes are like checking that somebody doesn't have a weapon it's yeah. all about the, these <laughs> these social structures finding out if someone's on <laughs> yeah you know and, and sort of saying like don't worry I'm not dangerous uh, you can be vulnerable with me right. you can sort of expose your body and I like I'm not going to hurt you yeah I, I, and we are and I think ultimately like bringing it to loneliness a lot of the the way that people get so stuck in loneliness or, or fall down, stuck feels like such a, a you know a small word for such a big thing. You know, it's you fall into a pit of loneliness and, and you can't get out because everybody does seem like a threat to you or uh, or it, you are. It's just so hard to trust people again. Yeah, yeah. Because you've been hurt in the past. Totally. I mean, I think that's. See earlier on when you were saying about like it takes up like it takes a while to let go of the things you learn about yourself and about other people in high school and in and in primary school when you're getting bullied and all that stuff. Like the way I've kind of always described it, and I kind of started using this like terminal like this this analogy at quite a young age, which is that like I think before you're twenty. You know, your personality and the way you view the world is like wet cement. (laughs) And everything comes along and makes a little impression. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter whether or not you give the you give the experience permission. There's been an extraordinary amount of fireworks recently in these days. It is November the fifth, so just like it's not that alarming, I suppose. (laughs) Oh these are so cute, these guys. (laughs) Hey. Uh, Do you want to go back? Uh, oh no, I'll, we'll go, we'll keep going this way, shall we? Yeah. Y- you lead the way. I'll okay, talk. cool. Whatever you want make, to go. And make, if you <laughs> if you point to a bench and go, you're going to sit there, Steph. I'll I will sit there. <laughs> <laughs> if you want us to go in loops, you'll go in. Yeah, you good. You take direction very well. <laughs> nah, this is your stick. You you let me know. You let me know. But um, what were we talking about? <laughs> Everything. Everything. Oh, eh, wet cement. That's what wet cement. About. Yes, yeah, I, so lo- like, I like that analogy. Yeah, so like whether you give it permission or not, it like it's gonna do that, you know, and it, and it, it's formative. And I feel like there comes, you know, I say twenty, but that's because, you know, the things which you maybe which were really fundamental in your upbringing before ten or when you're fifteen or sixteen and you're you're first of age takes a couple of years for you to reflect and understand what those things even mean for you to then redo some <sighs> yeah. of that stuff so I think that person's age like everyone's age is different as to when the cement dries up but I feel like yeah. then there comes a point where like you learn how to deal with your cement you know like you know in order to make things feel soft underfoot that daily you need to throw down hunters of cotton wool in order for you to walk and not have sore feet. Do you know what I mean? Okay, like, okay. Like, I like this extended metaphor. The extended like, metaphor. How far is, can it go? I, I know, I feel like the extended <laughs> metaphor is getting a bit shit now. But, but it's that thing of going, like, see if you've had something really traumatic in your past. Yeah. That rears its head, you know. Or we use the word triggering now, don't we? Like, something happens, you watch something, and suddenly the little corner of your cement, like, say you're cement, you've got a square of cement, and that's you. 
the little corner, the the cotton wool's been brushed off. Right. Now that bit's jaggy again. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You're going to need to watch yourself. And, and, and so we work out what works for us to protect yeah. ourselves, yeah. to protect the cement itself, but also to protect our experience of, like, engaging in that, you know? Yes, And, and yeah. I feel like that thing of kind of, you know, all oscillating around loneliness and and how people perceive us and our connections with other people and what does and doesn't make us feel safe. I think we're all just trying to work out um, what what makes us feel safe. Yeah. What doesn't make us feel safe? When is it comfortable or exciting to take risks? When That's is it not comfortable to take risks? And to what extent does challenge excite us you know like at what extent does spontaneity or going somewhere unknown yeah feel like something you want to do feels like something that's satisfying you know I feel like there's there's so many of those things and I think yeah risk in terms of reaching out to people or maybe throwing yourself into a new social situation yeah you're so right yeah I mean those like you you have a real risk of of I mean (laughs) falling flat on your face falling flat on your face (laughs) I, I mean, I don't think there's no risk of death. There's no risk of, of like bodily harm. Yeah. But the, there is real risk that you putting yourself out there may not work as well as you hoped, and that will even maybe you will perceive it as rejection. Absolutely. It may not actually be rejection, but like, but that's the way we perceive it, isn't 100%, it? One hundred percent, you know, and and like. That's that's also the thing about like it being perceived as rejection. Like you know, I think about I've been watching a lot of like chick flicks recently, right? Because there's just something about the story structure, the inevitability of those those two always getting together by the end. It's just it's <laughs> so comforting. It's so comforting. <laughs> and it's just because like I feel like I've spent far too like I go through phases of my life, so maybe spend like nine months out of the year watching true crime and murder documentaries <laughs> and then there comes a point where I'm like I'm fed up of like men were murdering their wives <laughs> yeah, and yeah. like what's going to happen in women this documentary women lying naked in ditches yeah <laughs> oh wow there's been someone else who thinks a woman's body is there right yeah, wow yeah, no. and, then, and then I'm like I need to detox from this and then so I mean I've been finding myself watching movies where the jokes shouldn't even be called outdated because everyone knew at the time of writing them that they weren't okay uh-huh. I'm watching that type of content that is so predictable because there is something about like the status quo which is helpful but and the reason I mentioned like all those movies right the couples is because with more recent rom-coms there's the bit where they, they go on a blind date and they both perceive each other to be rejecting them and it's got nothing to do with the other person and everything to do with them not being uh-huh. ready yeah, and then by the end <laughs> they are ready, oh. so, so they get together. Yeah, and that thing about like risk and reward—it's uh-huh. got nothing to do with rejection and everything to do with that person not being ready to engage. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And so there's something for me which is like really interesting about like how far do we push ourselves, and do we push ourselves because we're ready to, or do we push ourselves because we think we're meant to? Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. Like, we're outside pressure. Totally. Not, maybe not just from, like, the people, other people in your life going, like, 
Oh, come on, you've been single for a year now. Get back on the horse. Oh, sack that. Get yourself Can out you? there. <laughs> why get myself out there, thanks? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing, is like, you might just like really revel in being alone, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually watched a rom-com last night. Did you? Uh, while you were sleeping. No, what's that? Oh, you, oh For a my minute, God. I thought you were like, well, you were sleeping. I watched the rom-com. I was like, how okay. did you know? Yes, I, I can understand. That sounds so creepy. Um, and actually, it's quite a creepy film. If I you, mean, the title's if, if I, if, When I describe the plot to you. So, yeah, so, Sandra Bullock is a lonely woman who um, has, like, recently... Like, within the year, within the past year, I think, lost her father. Uh, and is living alone and like working on the trains and she's been like told that she has to work Christmas again because she's the only one that doesn't have a family and it's just like really really tough stuff although it's like framed in like a oh she's so quirky and she's hilarious but she's lonely she needs a man and she falls in love with somebody that comes to get a train ticket every day and he's like a a gorgeous you know um, businessman um, but she only ever, and she smiles at him, but he doesn't notice her. And then he falls off the track. She saves his life, and he ends up in a coma. And she goes to visit him in hospital, and they assume that uh, she's his fiance through some like hilarious misunderstanding. Uh, and then his whole family uh, fall in love with her, and they like sort of like embrace her into the bosom of the family. But <laughs> she's still pretending this to be absolutely <laughs> horrifying. Absolutely. <laughs> just been for a wild swim (laughs) it's cold (laughs) but so beautiful the lock is is just so still this morning it's quite choppy when I arrived it's completely different and I just love that like perfect mirror of the hills it's unbelievable but oh I wasn't quite prepared for that cold (laughs) right gonna go get dressed I guess um, in terms of the whole, you you need to be with a partner to be happy. We're we're definitely a victim of of the dominant culture and every love song and film and book, um, especially marketed at women as well. Um, And 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 why why do rom coms still give us comfort? If, like, as a feminist woman, I'm very much like, no, fuck you, I can be on my own and be amazing. (laughs) Um, But ultimately, like, that is a... Occasionally I can feel like that. I can feel like, actually, I'm having the best time and that's not uh, in any way because of another person. Yeah. But I still get lonely and I still want to be in a relationship. Yeah. And I still like rom-coms. Yeah, it's really hard to break the cycle, isn't it? But, like, I always go back to that thing of being, like, you know, you can be super, like, fuck capitalism, 
and you can be like really frustrated <laughs> by the ways in which uh, sorry I'm laughing because the other day Adam and I went to have a look at laminate flooring and the guy tried to explain how bulk buying works as a way of communicating what he was giving us was a really good deal and I was just like you're a fucking walloper do you know what I mean like you're an absolute whopper like this is not it's like, you go you go to Tesco we try not to laugh yeah oh no and he like he stood with his legs spread at least 1.5 metres uh, how not young was funny. he was he like quite 21 or something no he was old um, older and um, and at first I thought he was chafing and then he kept standing like that and I realised it wasn't a joke um, but no it was just it was the funniest thing but Sorry, that was a sidetrack. You can be really frustrated by capitalism, right? <laughs> but simultaneous, and, and I say that as someone who is, but I totally buy into One Direction and like Sonny and Simon Cowell making this boy band a total thing. Right. Like, I fall into that because they're all cute as fuck and I really like the songs. <laughs> like, it is insanely What's comforting. What's not to like? What's not to like about Harry Styles? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I think the thing is, is like, with rom-coms, like... There's a familiarity in the structure, mm-hmm. and yes, it reinforces like patriarchal ideas, mm-hmm. uh, and it is probably those values that are trying to be communicated by the folk that first started to pen these these um, stories, you know. Yeah. But it's been reinforced so much now that it's almost like poetry, you know. It's A B A B C. A, B, C, D, we know the rhythm mm-hmm. and there's something enjoyable and satisfactory about that, you know, like mm-hmm. in the same way, like, you know, when you work in theatre and you go, right, now we're getting to the fifth act, oh, let's yeah. get down to oh, business. yeah, we do want our stories delivered in a nice little package sometimes. Yeah. so I think there's something about that too, where like, we enjoy that, but also I just think like, we all secretly or not so secretly, want somebody to look at us and just go, you're really fit as fuck, or we want someone to look at us and go like, you make me so happy, I can't imagine life without you. And it's and maybe part of that is innately romantic or sexual, and maybe part of it is like purely platonic and people really finding a kindred spirit that they feel comfortable enough to utter such a a compliment to, you know? Uh-huh. And and I think that we just see that in rom coms because it is the epitome of of what people coming together has traditionally looked like. Because we don't come from a society where, like, you know, we talk about, like, it's a fairly recent thing in Western society that you'll see, like, gal pals holding hands or linking arms walking down a street, Mm -hmm. do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And for that to not mean, like, they're doing it for the male gaze or is romantic or sexual or whatever, it's just camaraderie, it's partnership. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be loaded in any greater sense. So, So there's something about, like... These, these stories, which tend to be super heteronormative and follow very similar structures, communicates it, like familiar values and ideals. It comes from a place of people can only truly show their real self to one other person, oh, otherwise yes. they are too vulnerable or exposed to society. Yeah. So, or, or that this that 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 self is is supposed to be private somehow. Yeah, or? exactly. And so there's something about, like, when you're having a really crap time and you feel really messy, watching something where these characters go, I'm vulnerable, I'm messy, I'm accepted. And I think that rom-coms are movies where we see that happen and take place. It just so happens to be oftentimes in a context where, like, for 
you know, the woman to be loved by Zac Efron. She has to not be like every other girl. And I'm like, what? <laughs> but yeah, but then yeah. you kind of go, it's all right because it's Zac Efron though. So you, you bite your tongue and you and you watch these things that yeah. you maybe disagree with. Like, some yeah, anyway. maybe because they're just there hasn't been historically an alternative mm-hmm. to those kind of stories, but they are starting to be made. Yeah, totally. Stories about female friendship, stories about well any kind of friendship, but like friendship that is just as important as romantic relationships. And, oh, totally. and it's just as complex and just as deep. Yeah. Um, I mean, like people talk about bromance. I'm just, I can't believe that there's like a word yeah, <laughs> that exactly. had to be invented to justify close male friendship. Yeah, that makes it somehow masculine. Me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's that point in the podcast again. We're over halfway through. And if you've been walking, I'd now like to invite you to take a seat, to take a breath, to take a moment for yourself, to stop. Maybe you want to take your headphones out. I'll see you on the other side when you're ready. And, and people act like people were like, "Wow, Booksmart is a revelation of a movie," and I'm like. No shit, there is a market of women and just, like, non-binary male individuals <laughs> yeah. that enjoy watching something where it's about two young people finding themselves, being there for each other, sometimes fucking up, but being there for each other again. Over the course of 24 hours. Do you <laughs> like, know what I mean? It's, it's only, like, like, one day that it takes place over. That's why yeah, I love that. So. you know, it's, but... <laughs> Shockeruni, <laughs> you know. And I know. It's like, yeah, it happens. And, and, the, and these, the, those are. That's now. I think I. It took me a while to like get really deep female friendships, and or to be able to. I don't know. I think I, I had to learn how to do that. How to, how to, get better at forming those uh, friendships. But um, I, they're they're the most beautiful thing in my life. Oh, though. totally. And but the thing which I find really tricky about is like. The female friends that I've got in my life, like, I've had some serious soul sisters, but unfortunately it's off, like, you know, we've disappeared from one another's lives for various reasons, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, circumstances have changed, or one of us have gotten a relationship. Sometimes that relationship is super good and we're all loved up, or sometimes that relationship has been super bad and therefore we've been isolated, yeah. you know? And, and I think that's the thing which I find really tricky too, is that, like, you know, we don't... Our society doesn't talk about friendship breakups, you know, or friends ghosting one another and all of those sorts of things. No. Which is just a part of people coming together and falling apart. But yeah. we spend so much time placing value on romantic and sexual relationships. We often don't focus on, like, how do we nurture our friendships? Mm-hmm. How do you make friends as an adult? You know, like, you know that you, if, you, if you're a parent and you've got seven-year-old kids and you've got the money to do so you might drop them off at karate club yeah you know so they can learn a skill and meet people uh-huh. you know you might take them or you might pick them up after their after school drama class and that's where they can hang out with other folk so sure. but as an adult how do you do that you know like and i think that's something which i find really interesting is is that is the it's not that there's a lack of appetite it's that people feel uncomfortable putting a finger on it, I yeah. think. Yeah. 
Uh, and sometimes that's because we're not told these stories, so it's a little bit chicken and egg. And then yeah. other times it's because, it, and I think I've heard you mention this before, it feels like it can be alienating to talk about being alone or, or feeling isolated. Yeah. Because there's something which is deemed to be really unattractive about that. Yeah. Not in a romantic sense, but just... Well, the, well, the worst thing repellent. is seeing somebody go, oh, that's such a shame. Yeah. Like, oh, you're such a nice girl. And you're just like, don't say that. That's... An, so de- it feels demeaning uh, because I'm more than it, and it, and you're basically confirming in my head that what 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 is my worst fear in my head that I I am less than because I'm not with somebody. Yeah, it's really grim. It's really grim, and also it's that thing of like, and maybe this just comes from having had quite a lot of turbulent relationships in my lifetime. You know, when I have been with someone. I've often been incredibly sad not knowing who I am. I've made terrible choices in my professional and personal life. Right. Because I've been focusing on another person who hasn't been good for me. So it's also really interesting that, again, we place emphasis on this other. It goes back to that thing we're talking about again, about, like, personalities and, you know, you associate who you are with the people around you and, like, the bands that you like, like, you know... You're an emo because you like MCR or whatever, right? Yeah. But like, you are you are loved, or you are worth you are worth being loved because you're in a relationship. But like, what happens if you're in a relationship with an absolute wanker? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. and then somehow that's meant to like give you leverage in society, and it goes back to those like really old school patriarchal ideas of of you know you can't own property. The man of the house owns property. So you better marry Mr. Darcy now, you know, and and it no. and it's and, uh, oh, oh, you've got school. together, you've found a match, you're financially secure. That's the story ended. Yeah, and it does. As your life ended basically. Totally. <laughs> learn, learn cricket in your spare time. Have a jolly good time. <laughs> learn, learning how to ride a horse. You know, yeah. and it's it's that's the thing for me, which is just like totally boggling. You know, it's like if we are placing that emphasis, like. Then, then there's another issue in, in society, and like, how do women get out? You know, if they're being told that this is, this is what their worth is. Yeah. You know, by, by society, but also by perhaps an abusive partner, for example. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I always view it from the other side of the coin, but that's because I think that 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 thing about, you know, people wanting you to be with someone. I think it's probably because I've been with people that have not been right for me that I kind of... Do you know what I mean? Like, I've, I, I, I'm so, like... <laughs> like, I don't know how to explain it. For for listeners, I'm pushing my hands out from my chest and also going, fuck off! <laughs> do you know <laughs> right, what I mean? Right, like, OK. Like, so it, it is so... I'm, like, I find myself getting, like, quite violent, quite angry about that feeling. Okay, OK. Like, if anyone was to come at me with that, I'd be like, get to fuck. Yeah, like, sure. Like, and, it's and so... I find it so aggressive to come at someone with those types of ideas that it makes me like really angry and feel quite confrontational because I'm like get away because that's because you've obviously been personally affected by that yeah and and it's also like like that's that's not my safety net like I am safe in this little bubble I've protected for myself and it's a choice if I choose to let someone in there
starting uh, my ascent up Ben Ann. Ben Ann. I think that's more <laughs> closer to the correct pronunciation. Um, I'm hoping that by walking, my toes will defrost from my wild swim. Uh, it's a beautiful morning. Um, the sun's still quite low in the sky to the east. And maybe we'll get some spectacular views on top. That's the idea. Feeling all right this morning. Um, did not get much sleep, but I think I'm still high from... It's just uh, that beautiful morning porridge and a wild swim and a stunning surroundings I'll probably suffer later <laughs> when I come crashing down to earth but for now I feel pretty good less than because you're not with someone whereas I'm like there's something about going uh, like I've got all this space and I want to keep it for myself so like it's like the same thing of being like you think I need to take up this space but I'm frustrated because you're clawing at my do you know what I mean <laughs> right, it's like a okay. territory thing oh right okay, okay does that make sense I think so yeah I, I don't think you're I, don't mean... <laughs> I think I'm talking shit <laughs> well so you, you maybe do feel like you have to wear an armour yeah. Um, in this world, and then that you're not always safe to be like completely open with people like that. That there maybe needs to be a garden, and maybe we do need to protect ourselves. Yeah. Because uh, people have sort of said that maybe I'm too honest and too open, and that can be slightly. I don't. I, I think it can sometimes work against me well I, I understand that so I suppose I should retract myself because I think I'm doing that thing like you know when you're talking and walking with my mate and you just start saying things that feel right but on reflection you go do I actually believe that do you know what I mean yeah. I think hearing that back I go what is it that I mean because actually I don't think I've ever felt like super protective of myself I think it's something I've learned to be upon reflection going back to that cement thing I was such an open book because I felt that was the only way I would be able to be heard and now I'm an adult and now I'm more comfortable with my experiences and the ways in which they've influenced me. I used to feel like my safe place was by letting people in because I felt like unless I actively invited people in, people wouldn't come close. Whereas now, on the flip side, I'm more satisfied. Hello, doggos. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're cutie. <laughs> I'm more satisfied and so now I'm like... I, I need to protect what I've got, uh-huh. and I'm more proud of what I've made and the person I've become. Okay. So I'm more. There's more of a quiet confidence that comes from within, which has led me to be more protective. Okay. You know, because that thing about feeling too open, uh, I'm far too open. 
I mean, you and I have had several conversations about this, about me being like, sorry, did I share a bit too much there? Is this professional? <laughs> Is this not professional when we're in a work context? You know, and we're, we're both oversharers. Yeah, but, and, yeah, and sometimes being an oversharer with an oversharer is fine. But it, mm-hmm. but also, I'm at a point in my life where I'm reevaluating my habits of oversharing and realising that I no longer get that satisfaction of connection okay. when I overshare. I see, I so see. So I come back and go, I'm doing that because that's a habit from me previously trying to find or foster meaningful connections with other people. Yeah. But now I have those organically and meaningfully. And by trying to force it, it's too contrived. Uh-huh. And I've shared something of myself I didn't need to. And it's only, it's, it's been time that has got me to this place. And that you run the risk of spreading yourself too thinly? Do you mean I in think, an emotional I, way? I think so, but also parts where I go, I don't think I, those people needed to know that about me. Uh-huh. I used to not care who knew about bad exes, bad experiences, or what I got up to at the weekend if I went on an absolute riot of a... Yeah. of a weekend of pals or whatever I used to not mind about that huh. stuff and now I'm like you don't need to know that about me uh-huh. you know yeah. there's there was something I found like because I think because I was so desperate for connection when I was younger and after I'd had some really tricky experiences in my life where I felt like being open was it was somehow reclaiming those experiences through my own lens through my own perspective and as I've gotten older, I've reclaimed them now. And sharing those things again, sharing those parts of me, even if it's just like the soft, sensitive parts or the things which I hold dear, I'm doing that out of habit. But doing that brings back brings me back to a place where I didn't feel those parts were mine. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think it's, it, it's, it's, it's resonating it's, with me, actually. It's I, I quite think tricky to explain. I, How do you feel about oversharing? Um, again, like, oversharing and, and being so... I, yeah, it's, it's sort of like saying, like, here are your... Here's the parts of me that are kind of juicy and maybe a little bit grubby for your delectation. <laughs> and I did that because... And I still do that sometimes to make people like me. Oh, totally. Total. That was 100% me. So, like, see, when we were talking about primary school and stuff like that, I was so bullied. I couldn't tell the difference between people laughing at me or people laughing with me. Yeah. So I went out of my way to make people laugh at all. And I didn't realise I was making them laugh at me. No, I didn't... But I was intending for them to laugh with me. So I would, like, be the weird kid that would stand on the playground and do a dance and song routine by herself. And I'd literally have a crowd of people around me being like, what a fucking weirdo. And I didn't realise that I wasn't in on the joke. I was the joke. I didn't realise. You know, like, I... When I was younger, I used to be so scared of, like, the Chuckle Brothers and Keenan and Kel. Because it was that laughter. Because I didn't know who was the punchline. Right, right. And it all comes from that thing of, like, not knowing who was being laughed at. Where where does the attention come from? Yeah. And so I got to a point where, like, I I made myself a spectacle. You know, I would, I would be the... 
you know, I would go to parties and people would already assume I was drunk when I arrived. Okay. Because I was being so gregarious. Uh-huh. And I was stone cold sober. And it was and it was just me trying to like be present, be seen. I was just so desperate for attention. And it wasn't from a place of like love me, love me, love me. It was a case of going like I was trying to hide a lot of like sadness, you know. It came from those places, so I think it's 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 really tricky. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was so exactly what you're saying, sharing to make folk like me. That's exactly what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's only as I've gotten older do I go. Actually, I like me, and I'm sharing parts of myself that no longer give me satisfaction to share. Because that's mine now, and I own that now. Because I'm no longer feeling like I want to be a spectacle. I'd rather be present and live my own life. Does that make sense? <laughs> no, absolutely. It does make sense. Um, yeah, in my, so I'm just. Um, I, I guess I'm it's just. I'm, I'm smiling because I'm just like, oh my gosh, you're you're describing exactly what I, I feel like I, I've been through, um, and and also like learnt. It took years. It took years for me to feel more comfortable uh, and, and I'm still learning to yeah to maybe just turn the tap off a little bit yeah uh and and maybe and just you know it's about like keeping my ground um staying yeah staying grounded and people will come to you yeah and and you don't need to dance around them <laughs> which I think yeah, I don't, don't have to be the dancing monkey <laughs> you don't have to, to be the dancing that's exactly yeah. Like, yeah I was exactly like that yeah, yeah. Which is so funny because I couldn't imagine you like that. Can you not? No, not at all. I mean, because I find you to be extremely composed, very mm-hmm. considerate of what you share and how you share it. Mm-hmm. If anything, I acknowledge sometimes you may be second guessing yourself and going, should I? But it never comes across as, have I went too far? It yeah. sounds like, have I cla- or am I claiming space that isn't mine? Right. It never comes across like you going like, oh, I've overstepped the mark here. It comes across as like being more tentative and wanting to ensure that the other person has space. So I really struggle to think of you as like being someone that was a dancing monkey. <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine that. Amy. I mean, I don't know whether a, maybe dancing monkey is the wrong word, but I certainly uh, there were yeah, there were definitely times when I would do anything for that to get to have to make pals I was just so I was so terrified of having no like ever like I because you know I went through several several years of school not having any friends <laughs> and so uh, the that fear of being abandoned or being rejected or secretly finding out that 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 wasn't that people were lying or laughing behind my back yeah was a real a real fear even when I sort of could convince myself in my head it, it, it comes back to haunt me do you know there was a word that like sprung up to mind just when you were reflecting there about like feeling the need to like fit in which is assimilation and I think you know how, I've, how I was saying that I can I see you sometimes be considerate or reflect if you've shared something that's a bit too much mm-hmm. I think I see you going have I assimilated correctly Right. So have I? I think that's <laughs> the word. Like a, a so sort think, of like alien word, or like uh, I am assimilating. Yeah, but like that thing of going <laughs> with the humans. Like, have I have I read the context right? Right. Because yes. often, like the con, you know, the conversations which we have are work contexts, right. which are innately 
and of course deeply personal because we make art together and we make art about things that we care about and find important and so we're always going to come to those conversations with parts of ourselves being naked essentially you know (laughs) like we're bearing parts of our soul or we're bearing our values or our ideals and and I think that's maybe I, I if I see you share something it, it it's less so about going like have I went too far and it's more so I sometimes see you go did I pitch this right yeah. whereas I feel and sometimes our conversations I go I think I went too far I feel like I've overstepped the mark okay which see, is like which is something which I find quite tricky and actually this has reminded me of a conversation I had with one of my best pals where we were talking about the fact that we've been best pals for like over a decade now well not best pals for over a decade we've been friends for over a decade and really close pals for numerous years within that Uh, and realising that you've got a pal who you could phone up in the middle of the night while you are throwing up being so sick scared if you're dying or if you need to go to the hospital or hysterical hysterical yeah yeah. yeah. or feeling so low that you don't even know where your place is anymore Mm -hmm. and phoning someone up and being like I'm in danger and I need help can be really tricky to know who your friends are because people Mm -hmm. say that they're going to be there but are you also that person's person and I sometimes think you only make that call to call somebody else if you think that they could feel comfortable calling you back and so I think that there's this really interesting thing about synergy and feeling like and reciprocity. You're on it. Yeah, 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 exactly. That there's a transaction, a mutual transaction there where you can be there for one another. Because I think that you know you feel more comfortable oversharing with someone, and you don't experience post-conversation regret if you know that that other person would go, "Well, that was a bit much, Steph." Or yeah, 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 are you yeah. sure? Like, is that sure? Are you sure that's what you meant to say? Yeah. Because there's that other person is checking in because they're wanting to make sure that you feel comfortable and you don't leave that conversation okay. do you know what I mean yeah. because they know that you might they might feel in that position if they overshared with you I suppose like the big question is like how do you get to that kind of stage in a relationship how do you which is like it's like gold dust you know like having somebody like that but I think and, and I think my answer to that is you just keep coming back and you keep looking somebody in the eye and you keep being as honest and open as you can yeah I think so too but and it's a risk and and, and you keep taking those risks you just have to keep taking them (laughs) that's the only way do you know what I think the only reason I'm doubtful and I'm like because you 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 look so convinced of what you're saying like you believe what you're saying and and I go I hear that and I think that probably is true but I feel like I've been trying to do that with so much conviction but a lot of my peers now who I'm developing friendships with are in work contexts Okay. and I think there's something about it being in the work context which makes me go and, and particularly in our sector and the performing arts where everyone is so personable and there's often very informal networking contexts that you're in you know mm-hmm. that thing of keep coming back and keep presenting and I go how think that's the thing it's like when when there's boundaries or barriers between the personal and the professional like I keep coming back to these ideas of like the blended self because I think exactly what you're saying like I believe that to be true that if you keep showing up you're consistent you're present with other people you're there for them you're you you, you say what you say and you mean it that that will create a context where there will hopefully become a level playing field with that where if that other person wants to, they will show up. Yeah. 
but I do sometimes think sometimes like I, th- I think I worry about behaving in such a way in a professional context in case that pushes on someone's boundaries I think what you're saying there really resonates about the, the equality or the equity of, of engagement you know of there of there being a level playing field where people pitch in and I think what it is is that you know how you were saying about you you believe that if you show up if you're open with other people if you look other people in the eyes they will meet you there and I was talking about boundaries mm-hmm. I think what it is going back to that thing about me saying Keenan and Kyle gives me the fear <laughs> and I don't know when folk are laughing at me or with me is I don't think I'm good at telling when someone feels comfortable I don't think I feel comfortable I don't think I, I know when someone feels like they're ready to open up and share or whether they're just being a good people person and because yeah. we work in an industry yeah. where a, a lot of people you know we're personable and we're chatty gaffies and we do yeah. all of that and a lot of my friends or the people or acquaintances that are becoming friends and all and all those kind of stages in between uh, over the last few years I think I've really struggled to go am I actually on the same page with this person or is this false is this just that we're professional people people <sighs> yeah and I yeah. think that's what it is I think what, my discomfort when you were talking about that methodology of like showing up I think it's that I don't trust my ability to go am I doing with this with the right people Am I sharing something and this other person is viewing this transaction in the same way? Do they view me as a friend? Do they view me as an acquaintance? And I don't think I have the ability to ascertain what the ways in which peers might view me. And I yeah. think that, for me, it's really alienating. And I think mm. that, for me, stops me from feeling comfortable in developing relationships with people whom I could develop better relationships with. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think what you highlighted there was that that like, it, yes, it, it's like a. I think it's if you've got the ability to always guess whether an inter, whether somebody is is being completely genuine or or superficial or not, then then that's that's a superpower. Oh, totally. But uh, quite a lot of people really struggle with that, like neurodiverse people, um, people that aren't, aren't neurotypical and or you know don't. Um, like might be on the spectrum or something that and they and just part of their brain can't distinguish between those interactions but you know like everybody is like struggles with that to yeah. a certain degree oh totally but all about socially inept do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah and, like, and, and, that, and i don't have a scooby and i think like i, I that's that feeling of being lonely in a crowd oh yeah that comes that's yeah. why that, that feeling is so ubiquitous yeah yeah you're totally right and yeah, and being at part, party. Sorry. Oh yeah, that that duck is uh... going for it. <laughs> You're saying come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. I know. Squeak, squeak. Sorry, Amy. I didn't mean to interrupt <laughs> no. you. I was just like, what a noise. I think I was running out of steam with that. Oh bless you. Yeah, I'm so sorry. No, no, it's oh, okay. No. And I fucked up. <sighs> I'm gonna put my hat on. Yeah, go for it. Do, Do you, you want me to hold this? Thank you. <laughs> and then maybe we could continue walking. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. Wanderings, an audio companion for those who walk alone, is conceived, recorded 
and edited by me, Amy Conway. Wanderings is produced by Stephanie Katie Hunter as part of Incubation, a project funded by Creative Scotland. With music by Jamie Cook, additional editing and sound design by Tessa Flannery, and graphic design by Sean McGonagall. With special thanks to all my walking companions this series. So, we've been talking. <laughs> that so. was such a. That was such a. Um, what was that show? That show. Uh, so this, this is your life. Is that what it was called? With a big red book. Oh yeah, like I'm, I'm Michael Aspel, am yeah. I? Yeah. So Stephanie. Yeah. And and then everyone in your life is in the audience. You totally turned and was like, here you go. Yeah, and they've all been uh, embodied by these swans. Oh my God. <laughs> Um <laughs> <laughs>